Like I say, though, could we come up in the house and a little bit down in the brights? I'm just trying to help you out, Zach, because it'll blind you up here, okay? All right, so um, can I just, just real quickly, I love this church, my gosh. Um, and, it, and it isn't just the missionaries. That is such a cool thing that happened here this morning, and that is who we are. And that's who we've been for all these years, and it's just extraordinary, and thank you for that. Um, I do want to say, though, it's also the worship. And the, the other churches that are in this building and that are reaching out and making a difference in the world. And what God is doing through you guys is extraordinary. And I just want, you know, this is what you guys are facilitating. You're facilitating so many more things than just this church, which I want to say, that's what I think church ought to look like, always. Now, in a very similar vein, that's what's happening here this morning, because you guys who come here regularly know for any length of time, that we like to have people from the congregation come up and preach. And we do that regularly because we believe that God has something to say through you too, and God has blessed it mightily. And it's cool, for the last few months, we've actually been doing something a little different as I've been trying to, as we've been sort of experimenting with preach team and, and some things like that, but it was never our intention to stop having people come up. And so we're restarting it now that we've learned what we needed to learn. And I want to say, Zach is the perfect place to start this. And here's why. He's doing exactly what it is that the Lord wants to do in all of us. It's a different call on every life. But Zach, a few years ago, really became convinced that the Lord really was calling him into pastoral ministry. And so what did he do? The right things. He started going to school. He started going to Northwest University. He started taking classes. He started, started trying to learn about what does it mean to pastor, you know, studying scripture, but studying leadership, doing the kinds of things that it takes to do well at this thing that he felt God was calling him to. And then he didn't stop there. Then he came to us and he said, hey, I got it on my heart to do a Bible study. We're big on that. So we said, absolutely do it. It has gone fabulously. Julie goes to it, loves it. It's really cool. Then he comes to me recently, not knowing of the staff changes that we just made, not knowing that, and he came to me before all of that, and he said, you know, the Lord's just laying it on my heart that I need to come and be on staff free of charge. I just need to be there. I need to be helping you. Whatever you need help with, I want to help you with that. And I said, well, I want to train you up, so this is perfect marriage. And so he's going to be helping with our community pastoring and other things as we continue to explore what this means and how to do it and so on. So I have to say, I feel like the Lord is the one who's got his hand on this service today in everything that we've been doing. And I trust that he will have it as I heard a beautiful sermon run through. I trust that he will be anointing this sermon so that we will all get a sense of how much bigger God is than the way we think about him. So with that, would you give Zach a big welcome? Oh, yeah. Is this water me? Yes? I don't want to share, you know. Is it hot? Or is it just me? I could call it menopause, right? You know, like a few years ago, I want to show the screen. A few years ago, I noticed that um, the more I was reading books, that they started making books really fuzzy for some reason. Has, it, has anybody else experienced that? Here's my glasses. Hold on. Okay. And I realized it was me. We need 
you to stay in the middle of the stage. Oh, the in the middle. You're just so dark, people can't see you. So we'll just have to look around. Am I good? Can you see me now? That's a commercial. Okay. I am excited, guys. This is amazing. Um, you know, this journey that, that the Lord's been taking us on in His Word and walking through the Old Testament. Part of our theme here is uh, becoming people of the Word, right? Our faith comes from understanding what the Bible has to say, right? That's where we, we stay at. That's our foundation. I'm going to start out with a couple questions I just want to pose to everybody here. And I want you to ruminate on these questions because I think that they're foundational to who we are and what we're about and what we're going to do on this journey together today. Clicker. Hold on, I'm going to get this. Do we really want to be God's people? Ask yourself these questions. Do you really want to be God's people? And what I think I'm really asking if we explore this deeper is this. In times of crisis, difficulty, and hardship, do we want God's help or God to help? What do I mean by that? Do we want God to show up in a way that He would like to manifest for His best outcome, or do we want God to show up for us to fix things and make things the way that we've predetermined, in a way that we've already decided we think is best for what God has for us. So we think we know. And so oftentimes we even pray and we say, God, I need, right, we have a problem, and we say, I need money. I need you to fix this. But God's doing something different. And that's where we're going today. I've asked uh, Michelle to pray. Michelle? She's amazing. <laughs> Just going to leave it there. She's amazing. Okay, I'm laughing. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm. Oh, how we thank you for preparing our hearts to be transformed today, Lord to be refreshed, to be changed by your word. And I thank you for your son that depends on you, Lord, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. So use him mightily to bring your truth to change us. And Lord, I lift up the worldwide church of Christ that, Lord, we would love with a love that comes from you that makes us one, that we can just be united and share each other's burdens and share each other's joys and just, we just give you the glory and we thank you. Amen. Amen. We're going to do a recap, okay? So we're in the book of Exodus and we're following the biblical narrative of what God's doing with his people and we end up with uh, these Israelites who got the best portion of land, right, initially. They ended up there because there was a famine, and they had Joseph, which was their far distant relative, ended up giving them the best portion of land, and they settled there, and they got comfortable. 
Over time, what happened, though, is they ended up uh, becoming slaves, as we know. So for 400 years, the Israelites actually were enslaved by the Egyptians. At this point, they only know pain, they only know suffering, oppression, slavery. This Moses guy shows up, right? And he says, I've come to set you free, right? God's commissioned me and appointed me to be the guy that's going to lead you out of this oppression and out of this slavery. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore because they had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. You ever got a word before and you couldn't listen because you were so sickened by the things that were taking place in your life? I have. God is doing stuff when we can't see it. He's doing stuff behind the scenes. He's showing up in ways that we can't possibly imagine. The Israelites then all of a sudden start seeing God do stuff, right? He shows up and manifests himself by uh, revealing himself through the ten plagues, this amazing display of God. After that, the Israelites left uh, Egypt. They kind of got, please leave, go, you know, and on the way out, right, the Egyptians were favorably disposed to them, so they ended up actually giving them all of their stuff right? Gold and jewelry and goods and things to, to the point that they were now favorably disposed to kickstart their own economy. They're led to the place where they get stuck in this, in this spot and they can either drown in the sea or try to fight a very well-trained Egyptian army. But what does God do? He parts the sea, right? And they pass on, on dry land. The sea then folds in and swallows up all of the Egyptians. They are covered by a pillar of cloud during the daytime. This manifestation of God's anointing following them during the daytime. And at nighttime, they have a pillar of fire. When they get hungry... God gives them food that produces every single morning in the form of manna. And the word manna actually means, what is it? So in the morning, they're like, what is it? Yeah. What is it? They get hungry, right? And they want protein, so they cry out to God, and he allows for quail to come and fill the camp to give them meat. Water comes from a rock. So far, what we've seen of God manifesting himself should be abundantly clear, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he is with them and that he is on their side. While pressing into God for this sermon, I 
I first came up with a different sermon. It was, and I felt like it was great. It was theological. It had great points. Everybody would have been like, yeah, you know, that's, that's cool. Maybe. <laughs> but it really wasn't where my heart was. And I had to really press in, and, and it was a, I had to get to a difficult place for God to speak and for, for me to listen. And what he asked me to do is say, when you read the biblical narrative and you, when you follow the scripture and you follow what we're doing here at Lake Sam and through the book of Exodus, what is my word saying to you? What is my word communicating specifically to you? So as I preach about this story, I'm going to use words like I and we and they to kind of convey there's this entirety of how we're encompassing this. So I, right, we, they, they get comfortable in a place in a land that's not their own, that they were never designed for, that God did not predestine them to stay and be at but they stayed. Now we, I, we get stuck and we end up bound to a system and a culture, a way of thinking that is not a part of who God made us to be. We eventually become shackled to it, slaves to the system, right? Slaves to what we think is the way life really looks like and realize that there's a problem and that we're oppressed and something's wrong. And so we cry out to God, oh God, help me. This is exactly what the Israelites did. When Moses was called, God said to Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. So here we are, we cry out to the Lord. Help. And what does God do? God answers. But this process of rescue, this process of God answering, it becomes painful and difficult and full of trials and hardship. You know the imagery of a potter, right? A potter takes this lump of clay and it's got value to it, but it doesn't really have purpose yet. And he takes this lump of clay and he, he throws it down on the wheel and he, he starts to spin the wheel, right? Think of the imagery. And he's squeezing it and he's moving it and he's shaping it and he's bringing it into what he wants it to be. He's creating his particular um, vessel for his purpose and so he's spinning it. And then he's spinning it. And then he takes his hand and he, and he digs the inside of it out and he pulls out the stuff that has no value and he starts to set it to the side and he, he guts it and pulls out all of the, the, the stuff that doesn't make it useful for what his purposes are. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He's making us something. He's making us holy. He's transforming us into his image of what, who he wants us to be. But what do we do with this? We blame God for the pain. And we point fingers at others. 
They're the reason I have discomfort. They're the reason why I feel the way that I feel. If they would do things differently, if other people would show up and figure their stuff out, then I would feel okay, and then I would be better. This is what the Israelites said. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. They were the ones leading them, okay? If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Moses then says he has heard your complaints, he being God, which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all of your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord and not against us. They had an idea of what their rescue looked like. And when they got into the thick of it, they started saying, but if everybody else did something different, if everybody else changed, if you would stop doing this, or you would show up in this way, then I would be okay, and then I would be better. And this is personal to me. Personal because, Lord, help me in all of this. Help us. It doesn't stop there. God goes up to the mountain, or Moses goes up to the mountain to meet with God, and God gives him all of these instructions for how the covenant relationship with him and his people are supposed to look like. Covenant being a, a, a agreement that is completely and utterly committed, no matter what. You can break your side, and I will still continue to do my side. I will pursue and pursue and pursue, and so Moses goes up and God gives them the commands, right? The words to speak to the people. And they all unanimously agreed. Absolutely. We're on board. We're going to do everything. And then Moses was gone for a little bit too long. You know this story? He takes off and goes back up the mountain to commune with God. And he's, he's gone for a little bit longer than the people were okay with or that they felt, um, you know, was the right amount of allotted time. And so what they did was this. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron, who's a priest and Moses' brother, says, take the gold rings from your ears and your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were and became a people pleaser and said, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the who? A festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting, drinking, and they indulged in pagan rivalry. Pagan rivalry, 
has to do with fornication and other stuff. You can look that up yourself. So at first, in the safety of my devotional time in the morning and when I um, spend time with God, I, I pull away and I, and I get into the Word, and when I read these things, I begin to judge them, right? In the comfort of my little devotional studio. How could they... And then I realize that I am they. I am Israel. We don't like to wait so we fall into old patterns of behavior and we create this twisted view of God that's inconsistent with his character. Which allows us then to do things or participate in things or say that God is a part of things that he absolutely isn't. Kurt preached about and touched on this subject, and I'm just going to pass through it, right, because it's a, it's a tough one. Talked about divorce. Right? Anybody? So, a lot of you know my story, or parts of my story, and I'm going to go through it real briefly. So, um, when Bailey and Rihanna were four, their mother died, okay? DJ and, and, and Keyshawn, and, and, um, and a lot of you were here. You know, you were part of my life, and our life, and that recovery time, and that process. And... I had to show up for my family, right? I, am a, I own my own company as a contractor, but I do sales, and so I had to go in front of people, and I had to smile and be okay, you know, and sell windows, which I didn't care anything about because all I wanted to do was, was understand what God was doing. And I got attached to somebody prematurely that... The Lord said no to. And it's messy. And it damaged my, my kids and it, it created ick. You know what I'm saying? It created junk. And The fact that I'm here, right, with who I am today, doing what I'm doing, guys, it's, it's, it's unheard of for most uh, churches to let the congregation at this capacity stand up in front of you and, and bear our soul and talk about these kinds of things. All right. All right. 
I got to find where I am. You see, guys, we don't want to wait. We want things on our timetable according to our understanding, and we want the path of least resistance, right? I don't, I don't like pain or difficulty or hardship. So I try to create what I believe God is doing on my own terms. And I fashion a thinking and a process of who God is that fits into my understanding and with my behaviors and with the way that I want to do things. And I even call him Lord. We. I am Israel. One of the things that we know, though, is that after this tragic event of just behavior and stuff, that Moses goes back up the mountain and communes with God, and there's this dialogue, and there's certainly these areas of consequence, and there's, there's you know, some negotiation that took place. But this is what ended up happening, and, and most of us know this story, but Moses says to God, he says, I want to know you more intimately, deeper and deeper. And so I want you to show me your glory. I want you to give it to me in your fullness, right? And God says, nobody can ever see me and actually live. So guess what? I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. I'm going to let you be away from me. And when I walk by, I'm going to put my hand up and I'm going to look away so that you can see the back of me. You know what God said during that time where he was walking by? And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, he's talking about himself, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The only time that we know God passed by in his fullness, he declares who he is. Right after these people made a, a golden calf that was completely inconsistent with who God was and what their character was and what was already delivered to them. In our willful ignorance, God shows up and he still covers us. But what is God doing? What is God doing with his people? This is what God says his plan for his people are. You have seen what I did in, to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then ye shall be, you shall be, a, spe a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Guys, who are we talking about? We have a group of damaged and oppressed and 
messy people. And what God is saying to this people group is that you're going to become pastors, you're going to become leaders, you're going to become anointed to speak my words so that the world will know who I am. And how does he do this? The Bible says there are these commandments, right? We know about the Ten Commandments. It's important to know that these Ten Commandments were actually scribed by the hand of God. The only of the commandments that we're aware of, right? And there's more than just these ten, but they were so important to God that he actually used his own hand by scribing them with the finger of God, the Bible says. But when we hear the word command, right, something happens inside us, you know, this word command. But if you take the literal word for command, it actually just means words or thing. Almost 1,440 times this particular word is used, and almost 900 times it's just the word word or words. The second most translated way for it would be thing. So what he says is, I've got these 10 words, I've got these 10 things I want you to look at, I want you to pay attention to. you got to see the whole picture. He's kind of like, I don't know, anyway. Because <laughs> it can get kind of heavy, you know. But here's the thing. God's displaying who he is by all the miracles that he's already shown them. And they're now at a place where he's, he's completely taken care of everybody who was against them. They defeated the Amalekite army. Remember the story where Moses was holding up the staff, and when he started to get weak and pull his hands down, you know, they started to lose, and so he got help to hold up his hands, right? I want to paraphrase the Ten Commandments. This is what I believe the heart of God is and what he's trying to communicate and the people that he's trying to make. You must not have any other God but me. What's he saying? Guys, there are no other gods. Any idea that there is anything but one creator of the universe is inconsistent. It's inaccurate. As a matter of fact, when God displayed himself against the, uh, the Egyptians with the ten plagues, those were all displays against the gods that they felt were the deities that they believed in that actually had significance in their culture. And what God did was destroy every single one of them. He says your devotion to a fictional man-made construct is pointless. It's a purely man-made idea that there is any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol, in the, uh, an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents 
upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations of those who love me. Guys, again, there is no other God. This is what he's saying. Don't create a man-made idea of who you think I am and conjure that up. Don't lend your heart to them by devoting yourself to these false man-made ideas. These so-called gods are okay with a lot of the sin that you participate in and you want to follow them because they're okay with some of the things that you're doing. But I am not like that. As a matter of fact, when you participate in all of these things that these other gods are okay with, when you do these, these, these sins and you, you take on some of these evil ways, it gets in your DNA, it gets sticky. Your kids are watching. They're seeing how you behave, they're watching what you do, and guess what, it'll trickle down and it'll affect the whole family, so guys, don't do that stuff. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let any not let you go unpunished if you misuse the name of the Lord. What do you think that means? Don't portray me, right? A lot of people used to think, oh, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Don't say GD, right? As if there's this. What he's saying is, don't, don't make for yourself or for others um, a constructed idea of who I am that is different than who I am in character and truth. Don't portray me out there as something that I absolutely am not. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God on that day no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. What's he saying? I want you to rest. When you and your entire community stop the rat race, focusing on your efforts, providing for yourself, thinking about how to get ahead on this earth, I can refocus your thoughts to me. Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Those people that were put in your life that you call parents, hold them up in your heart. They deserve to be respected and listened to. They might not always get it right, but they deserve you to respect them. And this one even has a promise that... In the future, you're going to actually do well when you get to adulthood in the new place that God is taking you. You must not murder. Look, we're created in the image of God, every single one of us. When you act in that wicked way and kill somebody else, what are you doing? You're taking offense right at the very nature of who God is. 
you must not commit adultery. God's saying that woman or that man that you love, don't break their heart by connecting with someone else in the way that only I intended for you to, to connect. You must not steal. I'm your provider, he's saying. That stuff that somebody else is, don't take it. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Don't lie. When you gossip about somebody else and you're having a conversation about somebody else's life and you're portraying them in an inconsistent way, it damages them and it damages their relationships with others and it damages their relationship with you. Don't do that. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servants, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. When you're jealous over others' things that you think will make you happy and will bring you fulfillment, you're making an accusation against me, saying that I don't know what you need. I don't know what you need, and I have your back, and I will provide for you, and I will give you everything that you possibly could need. As it turns out, these instructions or these words, these things that God was telling us can really be summed up in two particular areas, and it is love God wholeheartedly, And love people and treat them well. We know that the Israelites never got it. They never got it. They ended up putting more laws together in order to fulfill the laws, and they felt as if they were to show up in a way where they were to do the letter of the law type stuff, then they would be fulfilling what God wanted. And they would be okay. But it wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't the design that God originally had. What he wanted was to create a, a people. A people that not only understood who he was, but understood how he wanted them to become so that they would understand that that is who he is. The Ten Commandments are about revealing who he is in his nature. And no one ever got it. I didn't get it. We didn't get it. But Jesus did. Jesus was able to fulfill every single thing that God's laws ever stated. In worship this morning, I felt when the worship was over that it completely preached this sermon. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love because God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. 
So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Now we love each other because he loved us first. God showed us who he was by the miracles. He showed us himself by instructing us within the 10 commandments or the 10 words, the 10 things. He showed us himself to reveal his nature in the words. And he did all of this to make us into his image to redirect who we were supposed to be, to bring us back to what his plan for us was. If you're here today and this message has had any impact on your understanding of what God's nature truly is, right? I want everybody to just bow their heads for a second and close your eyes. If you're here today as a guest or you've been visiting and you realize that the way that you've seen God in the past isn't consistent with who he truly is, what I'd like to do is offer you the opportunity to receive Christ. And if that's you, if you could just just show a, a small raise of your hand. Mary, if you could come up. You know, at this church, we take communion every Sunday. 